Welcome to this, the second of a two-part series of a conversation between Phyllis Tickle and Ian Mobsby, exploring the theme of emergence Christianity. This recording was made in the middle of an electrical storm, so we apologise for the loss of sound quality in some places. When there are so many churches um, where their communities would rather die than change, what do you think they need to hear about this emergence and how it applies to the ancient church looking forward to its future? I think, uh, first of all, uh, pure information diffuses fear, uh, and that's a platitude. Uh, when I uh, am, am talking with clericists, I, I, the first thing I always say is, be sure you have made every effort to inform them about what it is, uh, because information diffuses it. But um, uh, have, having said that, um, the, the truth of it is that <laughs> after you've informed them, after you've told them what it is, then there is a real need to, to love and pastorally support them. I always quote Ray Anderson, but he wrote a book, uh, oh, seven or eight years ago now, and as fast as things are changing in emergence, it's odd for a book to last that long, but nobody has attempted to replace Ray um, on emerging theology for emerging churches. And, and the central thesis of that was that in the beginning, in the, in the first century, there was the church in Jerusalem. It was inherited church. And there was the church uh, in Antioch. And it was mm. a fresh expression of church. This term, which is now gone everywhere, fresh expression of church. Mm. And it was by the grace of God and the grace-filledness of the people in both churches that uh, Jerusalem understood that something significant was happening in Antioch. And um, since Paul and Barnabas over to see what indeed was happening. And it was by the grace of God and the grace-fillness of those in Antioch who perceived that if they didn't need the imprimatur of, of inherited church, uh, though they probably desired that, what they did need was the, the purity of understanding about where the faith had come from, uh, about what had been inherited. Uh, and so, in due time, as we all know, they sent Paul back to talk to James and Peter. Um, and they never did agree. They had some bitter fights. Um, and, and Jerusalem, Inherited Church, never got anything out of it except one little purse when they were in real trouble. Um, and in due time, of course, it was Antioch that was to carry on the faith. But Anderson makes uh, some very poignant points. Uh, and he said, you know, in in Jerusalem, in Inherited Church, it took a rabbi to do the Eucharist. In Antioch, there weren't enough rabbis, and so the community ordained those who would do it. Um, in Jerusalem, you had to keep the food laws and, and, and the calendar. Um, in Antioch, there was almost no way to keep the food laws, and so you just ignored it. And then, with a kind of Ray Anderson twinkle, he would also say, and of course, in Jerusalem, in Inherited Church, you had to have circumcision. And in the fresh expressions of church in Antioch, you've got to be kidding. Uh, and, <laughs> which, uh, and then uh, more than one wit I've heard talk about, right, uh, say, and, and, you know, anatomically we're still fighting the same battle, more or less, uh, which is a thing, of course, at the homosexuality thing. Mm. But um, I, I think basically he was absolutely right. Uh, 
inherited church, uh, if it is filled with grace, will enable and will bless and uh, will, to the extent it can, shape and form and influence uh, this new or fresh expression of church. But fresh expression has the obligation, just as surely, and I don't think we talk to emergents about this as much as we should, has the same obligation to go back and say to Jerusalem, can you tell us what you think of what we're doing? Mm. Um, are we within the tradition? Are we within the received tradition, as you presently are guardians and keepers of it? Um, and will you bless us? Mm. And there will be issues on which, um, as with food and rabbis and circumcision, in which uh, an area church will not be able to do that. Uh, yes. But there will be others in which they can. So mm. I, I think uh, for those, and my heart bleeds, I, truly, I, I don't exaggerate, for those for whom this is just agony, uh, yes. for whom, and I, I, I'm 76, will be 77 my birthday, um, and I have many, many middle-aged, I would say, uh, folk, 45 maybe to 65, for whom this is just agony. Uh, the old seem more, uh, the truly old, seem uh, far more accepting of all of this and far more enthusiastic about it. I have some old friends who are not, but it's mm. mainly the late 50s and 60s um, who are just bleeding because the rules are going to go away. Uh, and uh, they're not, of course. Uh, they're just finding a different body in which to function. Mm. But that to, to not honor that pain will be a huge sin against uh, or on the record of the emergence church. Um, mm. And so I feel an obligation when I'm with emergence to say over and over again, remember, um, this is the mother and the father out of which we came. And yes. they, they are due our prayerful concern mm. and respect. Mm. I don't know. It's so it seems to me anyway. Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, now, that's, you kicked me off another thought. I've just um, had a, a chat with Brian McLaren um, last couple of weeks ago, which was yeah. really interesting because, as you know, he's the moot... Well, he's, he's great. And we started talking about new monasticism um, yeah. um, and particularly when thinking about new forms of church because Moots in London has been experimenting with um, as being a new monastic community and it's really trying of to course. deepen that whole area as it seeks to go deeper um, into what it means to be Christian in praxis. But Brian said something really interesting, um, and it's got me kind of foxed. He said, we need forms of church that don't make so much a demand on people. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I have I not of, heard him say that yet. Yeah, and I'm kind of, I don't know, I've kind of been reflecting on that a bit, and I kind of say, well, the problem is, isn't it, has it, in modernity, is that often we've had Christians who just exist at the surface on our level, where we've overemphasized orthopraxi, orthodoxy over orthopraxis. Yeah. Uh -huh. And surely, if, if we're going to be engaging with spiritual seekers, there is something about this going deep that is going to make a demand. Can you really do Christianity as kind of sitting in the back of church? That didn't work in modernity. It did that... not work, and it won't work yet. No. I so... wonder, uh, I, I would love to hear him expand on that, because uh, I, I have this sort of conviction that that uh, Brian is like 103% correct every time he opens his mouth, which yeah. is not fair to him, of course, but his track record is about that. Uh, and I'm wondering if um, when he speaks of demands, I would say, yes, immediately, I agree with him in, in the sense that I don't want to be told I have to go do the soup kitchen. I don't want to be um, 
told I have to go to the Wednesday night deal. I don't want to be told I need to join a small group. Those things smack of organization to me in in, in every way. See, I'm that much of an emergent. I'm that much of an orth, uh, of an Anglo merchant. Um, but I do want my God to require everything I am, interior. And yet, how can you separate the interior from the exterior, which is what you're saying, of course, if I really believe that, then why am I not in some kind of small group? Well, I'm not in some kind of small group because it, it, it's counter. Goodness, I have not been here before in my own head. It's counter, it's counter to the interior Christianity. Isn't that a fascinating... I should think about this one. Well, um, this is what I find really interesting, because you think about Richard Rohr's organization, it's Contemplative Action... Exactly, and, and I think that's what we're talking about. That's exactly, it. but how can you do... And, but then I think he was hearing... Yeah, it's an interesting discussion, but I don't think you can do contemplation without being driven into the world, um, which is about doing and involvement and commitment. So I don't know how you can do discipleship in the way they were talking about it, focus on orthopraxis rather than orthodoxy, without Go to Desert being, Fathers, though. Go, go to Desert Fathers and tell me. Well, they were their lives were fundamentally about engaging with people, were they not? Uh, only as the people came to them, right? Uh, Sometimes, yeah, yeah. But but then we got to remember that the reason why they set up monasteries in the desert because they started off as just um, hermits was there were thousands of people going out to see them. So they well, well, they yeah. I mean that happened in due time. It wasn't there originally, or to the uh, Celtic uh, monks um, in their little beehives all over nowhere <laughs> where you couldn't get. Uh, um, I don't know. I have, I have not... See, for me, along these I lines think you before. can only really get interior freedom in, in discipleship, in following Christ. And, and yes, it's about balance. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, it's about balance, about having time away from the world and having a relationship, it, a deeply mystical relationship with God. But I think it drives you into the world. I think the problem that we've had for the last 50, 100 years is a church that doesn't want to have responsibility for others because we've been obsessed with individualism and um, consum true. consumptive gratification. But surely if, if the church is going to be this kind of transformative space, it has to have some sort of radical connection to the world which will cost which will cost which will cost and maybe they're two ends of the same stick there's enough of the mystic still in me having denied having claimed to be a recovering academic there's still <laughs> enough of the, <laughs> of the mystic in me to say that those who engage in fierce prayer are radically engaging the world yes. in a non- physical way, and you would agree with that, I know. I mean, yeah. it, I, I just think maybe we've got Genesis two heads here, or two faces with a common uh, brain between them. Um, but I think this is an interesting I, point, you see, because some people see new monasticism as monks, which is about withdrawal um, to the desert. Yeah, but they're and, not, yeah. But I actually increasingly think that we're called to be friars, just as Oh, absolutely. As, as uh, there, there's as, no point. I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, even the uh, most completely neo-monastic uh, group in this country uh, is absolutely friars. Um, there's, there's no question. This is not, uh, yeah.
the radical call to the world. Uh, and uh, in this country, CODA, for instance, is a good example of that. Yes. Or, or we have, yeah, but or or simple way you talked about uh, yes. Shane a few minutes ago, or or Wilson uh, um, uh, yes. Johnson Wilson Hartgrove um, at Rutba House, uh, or Old Saint Elizabeth in Cincinnati is a marvelous totally example. because they're all aren't they? For me, they all draw on a deeply contemplative Christian tradition that drives them into the world, which I think is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Uh, but there's going to be a strand or maybe a major part of emergence Christianity, I'll bet you. Maybe it's because I feel more comfortable in it. Uh, isn't that interesting? Um, uh, that's going to, to recognize the truth of what Brian says. Uh, yes. That it, it's, got a, um, it's, it's going to be interior in the same way that you tend the wick of a lamp so that it can glow out into the world, but the intention is to the wick. And uh, the I, intention is to the wick. It sounds great, but I just I have no idea how to conceive it. I'm quite a practical person, I think, at heart. So Well, that's I, good. I'm, and I'm kind of the other way, and I'm chewing on this. <laughs> I, you probably have disturbed my thought now for the next two weeks. Thanks a whole lot. <laughs> well, it's been disturbing me for the last month, so I'm glad I share it with someone. Okay, all right, good. After yeah, you've yeah. worn it a month, well, I, you, I, you have every right to dump it on me. I, can see I, it. I will go dump it on an audience. <laughs> yeah. I can see the issue. The issue is that we cannot just set up church which needs super involvement. Um, but I just try to... But I'm just trying to work out. I don't. Every time the cost of Christ calling people disciples um, was never dumbed down. I just he, he never right. said it's okay it, for you not to follow me because it, what he all the callings that he made were, so were life changing well. and caused people to change a lot. So I'm I'm just trying to understand how I, I can hear what Brian's saying. I'm just trying to understand what it means in practice. Well, maybe it's a degree of intentionality too. The mental energy of intending to go to the soup kitchen is entirely different from just realizing that I passed someone on the street who looks like he or she is in distress, and I walk back and say, do you need help? Mm. Which is not pre-planned or... Uh, intentional in any way. It is a result of the intense prayer life, whereas the soup kitchen or the habitat or or whatever is the result of intention and planning. Oh, and, I see. Uh, that might be... That's helpful. So more more the kind of mystic in life, discerning when to do something, exactly. when not to do something, rather than organizing soup kitchens all the time. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Great. Well, well, I think I'll still be miserable for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good stuff. So, so finally, what well, we've been, we've kind of just been talking about new monasticism. What do you think? What do you think about new monasticism in terms as a model of church? And do you, what other kind of do you think? What what other models of church are starting to bubble up in terms of what this new emergence Christianity will will be? There, there are two or three in this country that I'm positively in love with. I'm sure there are 300 I'm ignorant of, but um, the, there is one, uh, one model, and there may be many examples of it, but um, one that fascinates me is the Buffalo Community of the Holy Spirit, where in Buffalo, New York, um, I, I don't even know in the city area in the environs, there must be six or seven at least uh, Episcopal churches, Anglican uh, churches, uh, each one of whom, uh, or which, uh, has at least uh, four or five or six uh, deeply uh, emergent Christians, deeply Anglo-emergent. Um, wow. They have uh, come together 
each member of them, and I don't know what their total uh, gathering is, I'm sure 50 folks, something like that. Anyway, um, they have, uh, um, they continue, each of them, to function in his or her own parish uh, and do the things one would expect of an institutional Christian. But they are a vowed community, and on Tuesday nights, they meet in an old uh, abandoned uh, church that the diocese has let them uh, occupy under the uh, oversight uh, of a priest, Ellen Bursa. Um, their rule of life is three pages long. It closes all the T's and dots all the I's. They are a, a vowed community, and their real worship, their true membership, is with the community of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and that's where they function. And their work on Sunday is missional out to the established church. Does that, am I being clear? Yep, yep. The whole, and my kids used to say it's a matter of well, which syllable you put the emphasis on. Well, that they, their, their, their emphasis is on uh, the community of the Holy Spirit. And they are essentially, they might not put it quite this way, but they're doing mission out to um, uh, the established parishes from which uh, they came, carrying um, a certain uh, spiritual vigor or reinvigoration, uh, a conversation uh, about Trinity and obedience and all of those things. Um, and so it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, shift in which uh, they're not leaving established. Uh, they are going back to established out of this new source of energy. Um, and I find that kind of uh, encouraging. Mm. We have another one called Rivendell. Um, Ten years old as a monastic community, uh, it is vowed, but uh, you don't have to be residential. Uh, mm. That is to say, something more than oblates happens. Uh, the members are not always present. But anyway, it has, in the last 18 months, dedicated itself to becoming uh, increasingly. There are two houses: uh, one in uh, Missouri and one in Tennessee to having those campuses become the centers where bivocational uh, clergy can come and uh, live and live free uh, with their families uh, in order that they, as bivocationals, can go out within a reasonable geographic area serving um, emergence uh, communities, five and six people here, seven and eight there, those who want consecration of the elements uh, from uh, through apostolic succession, so that they have become, are becoming uh, almost, if you will, a center, though they are emergence in every way, uh, a center from which, and some of the diaconate also, uh, uh, can, can live. Um, in a pledged community, if you will, the, the bivocationalists don't have to become members of Rivendale, but their housing is provided and they can live common table or they can live just house table as they wish. But the point is uh, to serve the emerging uh, com- emergent community um, in, in that way, which I find a, another interesting permutation on the idea. Uh, it's, it's the beginning, to me anyway, of new forms of organization or perhaps new purposes, uh, yes. if you will, new, new sense of purpose. And there is a strongly missional element to it. Uh, oddly enough, in, in both cases, it's, or in one case anyway, sort of mission back to the institutional church, which might offend the institutional church if they've heard too much about it. But <laughs> uh, uh, th- those are, are the kind of thing uh, that's being experimented with. And... Um, I, I just I find it fascinating. I was just in um, 
Toronto with uh, the Sisters of St. John the Divine. Um, and they, too, are um, playing with using uh, their facility, which is, as you know, uh, uh, definitely traditional in a way. They've got a strong emergence uh, element uh, in the sisterhood. And uh, they I was there because they were, like Richard Rohr, uh, sponsoring um, conversation for uh, all all of the Christians in in the uh, Toronto area, Great. Um, and we we talked for three days uh, about <laughs> what this thing is. And I thought, it, here it is again. You've got the yes. most traditional uh, uh, vowed orders um, opening up to emergence and trying to to spread it out through education. So I don't know. There there are uh, a thousand permutations. Um, mm. I think Church of the Savior in Washington D.C went to scattered community about six or seven years ago. It probably is our first, if you're going to give a date, in the, in the USA, uh, Church of the Savior in, in 1943 is probably the first emergence uh, form of organization. It's not the first to claim it. That would be Irving Bible <laughs> Church in 69 that first to lay claim to being an emergence church. But um, all of those things are fascinating to me. And it's a way of... of Seeding the world, you know, S-E-E-D-I-N-G, not C-E-D, uh, S-E-E-D-I-N-G, seeding out the world. It's really like a milk mm. pod bursting and all of those wonderful little things flying out mm. uh, with the Word of God into the community around it. Mm. Phyllis, this is great. Um, I think we'll we'll stop there. Thank you so much for this conversation. There's an incredible amount. We're probably going to develop this. There'll probably be two podcasts coming out of this because there's so much material. <laughs> so uh, I hope you've enjoyed well, it. But I, um, so thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. I I enjoyed it. I regret the thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It went quiet in a few places, but I think we got most of the material. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Moot Community Podcast. If you'd like more information on who we are and what we do, please visit www.moot.uk.net. <laughs>